and welcome in to the non-negotiable podcast. I'm joined by Justin. How are you doing, Jazz? Hey, hey. Hey, so we're here after uh, a pretty bad night, really. Um, a deflating night, and it comes after a, a, a couple of deflating games. So um, there was a lot that went on in the game. I thought we were excellent for the first 45 minutes. Um, second 45, not so good. Uh Let's start at the very beginning. So about four hours before kickoff, I would say, we started to get the rumours that Partey was uh, injured yet again. Um, we were all hoping it wasn't true. And then about an hour before, well, an hour and a half before kickoff, I guess, um, we started getting the confirms from Charles Watts and from David Ornstein that, uh, yep, Partey was out. So um, how much of a blow was that, Just? Well, pre-game, I think it was uh, was huge. Um, my confidence level dropped quite a bit, to be honest with you. Um, I wouldn't say, I, I mean, Partey is probably, you know, in my opinion, one of the hardest to replace players we have in the squad. And the uh, drop of quality has been, um, you know, pretty substantial if if he can't make the game. But to be fair, I thought Jorginho did a pretty good job deputizing for him tonight. He did, um, but it's a case of here we are again. So I think the stat is that uh, since we signed him, Partey has been available for 63% of the games we've played. Um, his best spell without injury has been this year, um, September until now. That includes a two-month break for the World Cup. That <laughs> includes the fact that he's not been played two games a week. He's been rested for the Cup games and and given time off, um, I mean, what do we do at this point? He's He is the fulcrum of the team. Um, he is the springboard for going forward. Can we carry on like this? I don't think so, no. Um, you know, I know there's a, a, a lot of talk about, you know, we really need a, a good backup. Um, but at this point, I think um, the smarter course of action would be to look for a replacement, you know. And have Partey be essentially the the backup or fill in when he's fit. The thing is, though, he's he's got such a unique skill set. It's you, you know you can't just go out and buy a replacement for for all the things that he does. So it's 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 not going to be an easy one. No, it, it's definitely not. He's under contract for two more years um, for obvious reasons that we can't go into right now. Um, we are probably not going to be able to sell him even if we wanted to. Right. So. I think for right now, and by the way, I, I also don't want to sell him. Um, the, I, I've said this over and over and over again. You shouldn't ever buy squad players. The way you get better is by improving your first 11, and mm -hmm. the players who are in your first 11 become the squad players. That's exactly what needs to happen here. Um, we haven't got to go buy someone who's better than Partey instantly because I think we've now got at least one year where that role can be shared. So um, whether it's Declan Rice, whether it's Moises Caicedo, whoever it is, can come in, adjust next year, um, and we can share the role between them and they can take over gradually um, or maybe yeah. gradually given Partey's injury record. But I, 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 I agree with you. I think at this point, and I think everybody knows at this point, that is what has to happen. Um, Jorginho was brought in as a last-minute transfer on deadline day to stop the bleeding in case something happened. 
and something has happened and the reason we were all we were scrambling for that is because we knew it was likely that something would happen um yep. so as disappointed as you were you you weren't surprised were you no not really um you know hate to say it but yeah i mean i, mean, <clears throat> I think we all feared and, and and as you just said you know i mean it was a rational fear that an injury to thomas Partey could you know really uh derail the title hopes and uh, it definitely felt deflating getting that news yesterday, but I don't think anybody could really say they were surprised. No. Um, the other bit of news beforehand was Tommy Asu in for White. Um, we did speak about this earlier in the week. Paz did say that he thought it was a possibility, and he actually mentioned he thought it might be a good idea, um, just with the way that City press, and, and especially with Grealish out on that side, that Tommy Asu is probably a better man marker than Ben White. Um, so it did take me by surprise. I didn't, I thought if that change was going to be made, it would have been made before the Brentford game. Um, so it did surprise me. Um, what did you think about that when the team news came out? I was okay with it. I think um, I like Ben White and I think comparing them side by side, it, it, it's not a, a, a huge drop in quality or anything. I think they have, um, you know, different strengths to each other. Uh, I think I think Tommy was a solid call in this game, especially because you know Ben White's form has been you know a little off just just recently, and 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 Tommy is better defensively. I think you know one v one like you just mentioned. So I, I don't think it was a bad call, and it, it really didn't surprise me either. But I definitely see where you're coming from. Making the change for Brentford probably would have made more sense as well. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing is, I thought Ben White actually had a good game against Brentford. Um, I, you know, he obviously had a poor game against United and got taken off at half time, but then he started um, against Devon and he wasn't great against Devon, but then he started again against Brentford. And then after playing pretty well against Brentford, he he, he came out. So it, it didn't make much sense to me, but obviously Arteta's got access to a lot more info than we have. He could have been lagging in training. Um, there, there could have been a million different reasons for it. So again, I'm I'm with you. I was surprised by it. I'm. I mean, we have a sad in England. There's a fag paper between them. Um, basically, there's there's nothing between them at all. I think they're they're very they're even similar players. Actually, I think Tom yeah. may be a little bit better in the air um, and a better man marker. And I think Ben White might be a little bit better on the ball um, and perhaps a little braver. Um, but but there's there's not a whole there's not a whole ton between them. So I think the lineup was the lineup was fine. Um, I wasn't, as soon as the Partey news broke, my kind of feelings on the game changed. And I went from, I, I already thought that a draw would be an okay result. Um, looking at the table, the fact that we didn't win against against Brentford, I, I just felt this was a must not lose rather than a must win. Yeah. Um, and when the Partey news came out, I was definitely in the mindset of, well, I just hope we get out of this without getting beat. Um well, to the game itself. So we started and it was a little bit back and forwards early on. Um, I think Pep put out a very, very strange team, strange formation. Um, quite where he came up with the idea that Bernardo Silva on Saka would be a, a good idea. I don't know. I hope he has another one of those bright ideas before we go to the Etihad. Um, but it was, you know, it, it clearly wasn't working for them. Um 
Silva took out Saka three times in the opening 15 minutes. Yeah, um, it was rough. Yeah. yeah, he should have been on a booking. Uh, he didn't get booked. And eventually he got booked for his fourth one, um, mm-hmm. which probably should have been his third booking. Mm. So we had that going on. Um, then just before the goal, I would say 24, 25 minutes, Zinchenko puts in that amazing cross and Eddie leaps like the proverbial salmon to meet it. <laughs> and uh, it, I mean, I thought it was in when he jumped, didn't you? I did, yeah, I did. It, it's it's one of them where it's not an easy chance. It certainly isn't 0.7 on XG or anything like that. But I think it's one of them that your striker has to score in a game like this. I agree. Yep. And Eddie had a few of those last night, um, which is just, you know, kind of all the more heartbreaking. He could have had a hat trick uh, if his finishing was just, a, a, you know, a little tighter last night. Yeah, it was it was kind of reminiscent of the uh, the one he missed against Everton last season when he come on a sub. Yeah, um, it was it was a more difficult chance than the one against Everton. The one against Everton, he, he, he you know he was he was right in front of goal. He should have scored. The one last night was a much more difficult chance. Um, it was actually a bit Gary Lineker against uh, Argentina in Mexico '86 that you in American won't remember, but it's burned into the conscious <laughs> all Englishman. Um, and yeah, it was a bit like that. And I just I think you've You've got to at least work the goalkeeper. I think he's going to be really disappointed that he's that he's headed that wide. And uh, on those moments, big games do change because two minutes later, um, we saw a long ball over the top. Um, this is a tough one because Saliba does well initially to fend off the challenge of Haaland. Mm-hmm. But then when he puts his head on it, he heads it back into a... Not a dangerous area, but he heads it back over into that right back area where Tommy Asu is now chasing back, facing his own goal. Um, I don't want to criticize Saliba too much for this because I actually thought Saliba had a pretty good game yesterday, and it was, it was Gabriel's turn to to have a bit of a mare. But he, I think he's got to do something different with that header than than what he did. I think it has to go forwards basically. Um, De Bruyne was running in behind him, so he couldn't just nod it back to, you know, flick it back towards the goalkeeper. He had to, and he couldn't duck. He had to put something on it. But I think he has to do better with that, doesn't he? I mean, like you said, it it is a tough one, but and, and, you know, it's easy to say do something different in hindsight, you know, because of how it it shaked out. Um, But yeah, obviously I would have preferred him to do something different now. (laughs) Yeah, and that's kind of how I view the Tommy Asu thing as well. I mean, I will say that as soon as that ball went back in, you could see that you knew what was going to happen. Yeah, you could see as he was running back, you could you could see it, and and you're thinking you're thinking put it wide of the goal and hit it too hard, and that way if Ramsdale can't deal with it, it's a corner and we haven't. We haven't lost anything. Do you know what I mean? But what he tries to do is get it right back to Ramsdale. And I, you know, I've said a million times, and and I'll say this again when we come on to the second half and a couple of bits in there, I am never going to criticize a player for trying to play out from the back. I believe that's how the game should be played. I think it's how we should always play. And I don't want my players turning and lumping that ball into the stands. I just don't. It's why I'm not as big a fan of Kieran Tierney as everybody else is. It is not how I want to see us play. I think we've moved beyond that um and really he just 
he just got it. He just got it wrong, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And I will say though, you know, uh, I uh, I tried really hard to you know glean whatever positive I could from this game, you know, despite being uh, you know pretty down about it. But I think despite the the whole thing, you know, not shaking out well for us, I think it does show a lot of uh, trust between the uh, the players in the back line there. You know, uh, Saliba's you know header to. Uh, Tommy and then Tommy trying to t- trying to find Ramsdale, you know, shows that they're pretty confident in each other to be able to get it out. And it, it, it just didn't work out for us. You know, um, we've seen them, you know, knock the ball around in, in tight spaces under pressure, you know, hundreds of times before today. And it just didn't work out. You know, one of those things. Well, we saw it a ton tonight, too. Um, yeah. there were, <clears throat> or, or last night, I should say now. Um, but we 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 saw it a ton. And I again, I've got no problem with it. And I'm not one of them people that's going to pounce on on every little mistake when you're knocking it around at the back, because I think that the, what you gain far outweighs the odd mistake that you made. Yeah. Um, Now that mistake, I think the biggest problem for us with that mistake is that their two furthest forward players are Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Haaland. Yeah. And I think, whereas that was not an easy chance, Ramsdale was already on the way out and he closed it down quickly and I think a mere mortal probably has a less than 50-50 chance of scoring that. I think De Bruyne and Haaland scored at 99 times out of 100. It was a it was a nice goal, you know. It was. I noticed um I was watching the highlights before and there's there's a I guess to be fair this could just be my audio feed but there's like a a delay in the crowd cuz they're not quite sure or maybe they're just in a disbelief that it went in but it, it's it's pretty amusing. Yeah, I mean, he 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 kind of he almost whipped it around the side of Ramsdale and and mm-hmm. bent it in. Um, and like I said, you know, th- this is the problem when when you're playing Manchester City and when you're playing against someone like Kevin De Bruyne, those things get punished. And at the other end, and and this is not a this is not a criticism of of Eddie because I'm not blaming Eddie for not being early in Haaland, but that chance two minutes before, um, a tough chance. Erling Haaland buries it. I mean, yeah. he, he just does. Gabriel Jesus doesn't, though. Um, I will say, I will say that that I'm yeah. not, I'm not a hundred percent confident that goes in when it's Jesus. Um, but but Haaland does, and that's what we were, you know, that's what we were up against last night. Um, but once again, the reaction was absolutely fantastic. It was fantastic in the crowd, and it was fantastic from the players. You saw Odegaard immediately. Um, go over to Tommy Asu and lift his head up, chin up, yep. chin up. Come on, let's go. We go again. Um, players rallying the fans, fans rallying the players, and we almost hit back straight away. Um, through Tommy Asu, actually, with a brilliant pullback and the, you know, the left foot volley over the top. It wasn't a difficult chance. Uh, it was a difficult chance, rather. It certainly wasn't easy, but it gave you hope straight away, didn't it? That we we weren't out of it. It did, yeah. And and I thought uh, Tommy also Tommy Asu particularly. Uh, was a lot better after that mistake too. <clears throat> yeah, he, he, I don't think Tommy Asu had a bad had a bad game. He had a bad moment, yeah. and unfortunately, these games are about moments. We're not playing Nottingham Forest at home, where we're going to have ten chances. It's you know good chances. These are those these are those games, those pivotal games where where moments matter. Um, and unfortunately for him, it was a it was a bad moment. But we got back on it. We went back the other way, and and I just I thought we were we were absolutely we were absolutely brilliant for the next ten minutes. Um, we had the great move, quick, incisive passing. 
came through to Xhaka in the middle. He first time pass was perfect for Odegaard. Got it onto Saka, and then Saka just couldn't get it out of his feet. I think he mm-hmm. he didn't know whether to play right footed back across the goal or left footed to shoot. And by the time he'd sat the defender down, he'd kind of gone the wrong way, yeah. um, and ended up ended up doing nothing. But that was a nice bit of football, wasn't it? That was probably the best bit of the night up to that point. Yeah, I think so. And you know, I mean, even even overall, I think we were. Um the better team in the first half, uh, you know, just from like a pure football standpoint. Yeah, we were, we gave them a lot of problems and they, they didn't seem to be able to deal with what we were throwing at them. Um, Whereas in the first half, we dealt with what they were throwing at us um, quite easily. Now there's a, there's some stats I'm going to throw out here now, rather than at the end of the game, but Man City played double the amount of long balls in this game than they have in any other game this season. And this is something we pointed out on Monday or Tuesday that we thought they would do, mm-hmm. and they did it. What was interesting here is Haaland did pull on to Saliba in that first half. He did, absolutely. And he got nothing. Mm-hmm. In the second half, he pulled on to Gabriel. Normally, you would think Gabriel would shut him down. What Haaland did is rather than turn it into a football duel, he turned it into a mental duel, and Gabriel got beat. He turned it into pushing, pulling, and Gabriel was more interested in playing the man than the ball, whereas yep. Saliba was more interested in playing the ball than the man. And it worked for Saliba and it didn't work for Gabriel. But yeah. that was a ploy that we knew was going to come, and it did. Um, and you have to, as much as I don't want to give credit to Pep Guardiola for anything, you do have to give him credit because that was clearly an instruction in the second half to come and switch sides. Um so you had we had that going on. Um, they also had lower possession than they've had in any game this year, which I thought was was a, a telling stat. And I think this comes down to the fact that they came into it with a, a different game plan to what they would normally have. Um, did you did you notice that? I did. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, again, a light positive here, but I do find it interesting. You know, I would say player for player, you know. City's the 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 top club, you know, in, in England, right? I mean, they're they're pretty pretty much the best, and uh, it is a bit flattering to uh, you know have them pretty much totally change up their their tactics, you know, for a game against us. Um, I think it shows, you know, the the level we're at currently. Yeah, I agree. I think he treated it like he like a, a Champions League semi final. Yeah, basically, um, where he goes and changes his tactics for one game, you know, and this is the. Um, just to get off the subject to the game real quickly um, into a more broad subject, this is exactly why the second half of the season for us was always going to be harder than the first. In the first half of the season, we were one team of 20 in the Premier League that were playing a game every week. Now, well, up until yesterday, we were the top team in the Premier League with 19 games of film on us. And all of a sudden, teams were adapting or have started adapting the way they're playing to fit us. Whereas in the first half of the season, they weren't. They were just going out and playing the way they play. And I think this is something that we're going to... It's just one more thing that we're going to have to overcome, and I'm sure we will. Um, But we haven't quite got there yet. But I agree with you. To see Man City come and do that tells you that we've been doing something right so far. So, all right, well, let's get on to our goal. Um, once again, it was a fantastic through ball from Xhaka to Nketiah. Nketiah gets on the end of it. He gets the little toe poke through and he gets cleared off the line. But in the meantime, what we didn't really catch live, Edison just jumps into him. Mm-hmm. Now, 
there's a saying in basketball, is it a block or is it a charge? Because you can make a block, you can't make a charge, right? You can't charge at somebody. So what Edison did was absolutely a charge. He ran it and Kerry flattened him. And I think what the the bit that kind of made it a weird penalty is that you don't see that very often. This is exactly the same penalty as the one where the striker is running towards goal. He knocks it past the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper puts his arms out and the striker goes down over his arms. It's the same penalty as that. The difference is this one is standing up. And I think that's the only thing that, that is a surprise because it is a foul, right? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. And the the penalty when you knock it past the goalkeeper out of play and then go down over his arms and it gets given as a penalty, that gets on my tits. I absolutely <laughs> hate that penalty every time it's given. I think it is ridiculous. Um, I would say Harry Kane is probably the best in the league at getting those. Um, where he just nudges it past, sticks a foot into the goalkeeper and goes down. Mm-hmm. To me, this is more of a foul than that because Edison has actually jumped into him and you cannot do that without changing the shot for Nketiah because he can't get his body in the right position to follow through and strike it cleanly. So I think this is more of a penalty than than that. But were you surprised it was given? To be honest, Gav, I'm pretty much always surprised when we get penalties given. Uh- yeah, that's a that's a fair point. Fair <laughs> well made. Um, I mean, and, you know, the commentary on uh, on uh, NBC, they were convinced, you know, it it, it was a, a soft penalty or shouldn't have been given. Which, well, which they I... they were convinced by it, and I, I think this goes for everybody because it was the same as my reaction to it too. I think they were convinced of it at first, and every replay, they got more and more convinced that it was a penalty. Mm-hmm. Which is what happened. And I think it's just because we don't see this very often. You don't see the striker running in on goal, getting a shot away, and the keeper star jumping into him like that. The keeper is usually going to ground and he usually clips his ankles. This yep. one he's just jumped into him, but it is the same foul, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean it really is. So we get the penalty and for one moment all I could think of was your face while Jorginho walked up and picked up the ball and went to put it on the spot. Um, as it turned out, it was that clever thing that Chelsea did in the World Club Championship thing that I don't understand why teams don't do more, which is when everyone starts messing with a taker and stuff. You uh-huh. just give the ball to someone else. Let them mess with him. And then when the refs cleared the area, he throws the ball to the actual taker and boom, everything's off as normal. Um, and that was actually what they were doing. But I could see your face in my head as Jorginho grabbed that ball. What were you thinking while he was standing by the penalty spot with that ball in his hand? I honestly, I I, I didn't for a second think he was going to take it. Um, you know, I think Saka's kind of made that his own. And, you know, Jorginho's still new to the team. I would have been really surprised if he actually took it. But, you know, I, I would have hated to see him take it, honestly. I just, I, I really don't like that that run up and hop he and, and, and Fernandez do. It it drives me crazy, even though it's just such a small thing. Yeah, I think that the thing that, that, the thing that convinced me that he wasn't going to take it was the fact that Odegaard was right there with him. I think had Odegaard not been there almost with a hand on the ball, then I might have been thinking, oh, Jorginho is going to take this. But when I saw Odegaard there as well, I knew he wasn't taking it. Um, but like I said, it was a, it was a clever ploy. And yeah. um, in the end, though, what a great penalty. Yeah, it really was. Yep. Edison trying to play the mind games, pointing, telling him where to put it. And he just said, okay, I'll put it right there then. 
Um, he's become one hell of a clutch player, hasn't he? He has, yeah, and he's not missed since the uh, the Euro final either, has he? Um, no, the bigger the moment, the more he likes it. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's got that. He's just got that thing with him. I mean, I know a lot of people have called him a future captain, and and that's why because in the biggest moments, you he just steps up. He just doesn't he doesn't care. You know, Stamford Bridge last year, we were in the middle of a slump. We get a penalty. He just went and grabbed the ball. That's it. that wasn't even supposed to be his penalty. He didn't care. That was yeah. it. And since then, he's not relinquished him. And I, I don't think he's going to now at this point um, because he just he's just a big man for the big moment. He really is. Yeah. And I mean, why would he? You know, I mean, he his success rate's been great. And uh, I, I love it. I love seeing, you know, uh, young players, you know, especially Hale End kids that that, um, you know, kind of take the responsibility like that, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, he's he's kind of an experienced player now, right? I mean, it sounds yeah, yeah. funny when he's 21, but he's one of the more experienced players in this in this team. And he's certainly the he's certainly the first name on the team sheet. You know, yeah. there's, there's no doubt about it. He's the one that he's going to play every every game. There's no there's no question about it. His place isn't in question at all. Um, and I just think the way he's playing at the minute and, and and his mentality is he's just the ultimate big game player. And I think he's going to go from from strength to strength now. I do too. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we all love Saka, um, but it, it's just it's been great just kind of watching his trajectory. I mean, it is it is pretty incredible. I mean, to think that he's I mean, he feels older to me because we've been watching him for so long now, you know. But I mean, it, his age to be as uh, uh, like mature on and off the pitch is just uh, I mean, I mean, it, it's pretty crazy, you know. It is, and and in a way, what he went through at the Euros, missing that penalty. That's kind of spurred him on, right? That's 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 one of the things that's made him grow up fast, if you like. Yeah, really galvanized him. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's good though. You know, like a like a diamond. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, you react one or two ways. Yeah, yep. you react one or two ways. You either crumble or you step up, and he's absolutely stepped up. There's, mm-hmm. there's no question. I mean, he was brilliant before that. I thought last year, I, I said in the running last year when we eventually lost out the top four, we lost out because at that point, Spurs had two world-class players and we had none. We had a lot of potential world-class players, but we didn't have any. And they had they had two. And I, I personally, my definition of world-class is top 10 in the world at your position. We didn't have any of them at the end of last season. I think now we've got at least two. I think Saka and Odegaard, are at least two of the best in their positions in the world. Um, And, and I think that's, you know, that's a big difference for us this year for sure is that we've got that. And at the same time as with a couple of the teams around us, they're actually losing their world-class players because they're shrinking, they're reverting, they're getting older, Um, you know, Liverpool and Tottenham in particular. um, And, and ours are just starting to grow. So I think that, that bodes well. And that first half, just to cap the first half off, um, I think what that showed is that with when we get the chance to play our way, we can go head to head with anybody. Um, we don't have to fear Manchester City. We don't and if you don't have to fear Manchester City, you don't have to fear anybody. PSG, right. you know, Real Madrid, nobody. If you don't fear Man City, you don't fear anybody. Um, and I think that first half, the way we played was I thought we were pretty sensational don't you yeah I mean it's maybe the the you know one of the best one of the top performances you know we've seen 
Um, you know, again, I mean, a lot because of the, you know, the high skill of the opposition, of Absolutely. course. Absolutely. It's adjusted. Yeah, you're grading on a curve. It's adjusted to the opposition, but I, yep. I agree with you. That was as good as 45 minutes as we'd seen. Mm-hmm. Now, is there anything else in that first half that I missed, by the way? Uh, no, I don't, nothing's jumping out. So then we come on to the second half, and there's a lot here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say that from the very start of the second half, I was uncomfortable. And I mean, from when we came out, um, I'm not going to sit here and pick the shit out of Odegaard talking to Haaland on the halfway line, laughing. I don't think it was a clever move, but you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not someone that thinks that that's a a major problem. Um, But from the very minute we took that stupid kickoff that we do every time when the striker knocks it back to Ramsdale, punts it up to the wing, yeah. From that minute, I did not feel comfortable. And I just felt that we gave the ball away and dropped and dropped and dropped. We were pushed back by City playing a million times better than they did in the first. Guardiola clearly made some changes. Um, and we pushed back. And I think that goal, regardless of where it come from, a giveaway and being out of position and blah, 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 that goal was coming, wasn't it? From the from the very start of that second half, we got sloppy and we get, and we sat deep. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you you could feel it, and and I also agree that the, um, you know, not not like the crowd atmosphere, but the game just had a different feel to it. Start of second half, um, it did. And the crowd were excellent throughout. Actually, I thought this yeah. was a much better atmosphere than the than the Brentford game at the yeah, week. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, and I thought they were they were up for it throughout, and there wasn't any any talent nerves. And I'm not sure there was really nerves on the pitch either. I don't think that's what it was. Um, I think City made adjustments. And we didn't adjust to cope with them. Um, And that's something I want to touch on because that's something, again, that Arteta hasn't really done. We spoke last last time out about he has a system and you play within that system. And the only thing that changes are the people in it and sometimes a slight variation to how they play the role. But the roles don't change. Um, In that second half, the left-hand side of the pitch was a huge problem. And it was good in the first half. And Shaka was exceptional in the first half. I thought he picked the right pass every time. He set the tempo. He won the ball back. He was harrying. I thought he was absolutely exceptional. In the second half, Zinchenko, Gabriel, Xhaka and Martinelli really did not perform. They they really didn't. And I think part of that is they adjusted. They moved Haaland over onto that side to move on mm-hmm. to Gabriel. They also moved De Bruyne, who who had played almost exclusively towards the other side of the field. They moved him over there because their whole game plan was to get De Bruyne up alongside Haaland, which is exactly how the third goal came about. Um, But we, we didn't cope with that. And, and this is what I want to ask you. I think I was talking to, to, to Moni Nimran earlier on, who is Moni extra today. Um, (laughs) But uh, he, he was, uh, he was saying that, the problem that we've got now, and it's not a terrible problem to have, is that we've got an excellent first eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, we have nothing beyond that to change it. And I don't know whether Arteta doesn't ever want to change the system or if it's merely the next evolution to get an alternative. Because you can't have an alternative to a terrible system, right? If, you, if you've got a terrible system, you just need a new system. Whereas what we've got is a good system that needs an alternate. So do you think that we have put this first 11 together, this first system, and now is the time to build the secondary system? Is that what we're going to see with the next evolution of this team? 
is this what I what I want to see or what I expect? Is it what you expect? No, I don't expect that. I, <clears throat> you know, uh, the thing with you know this being Mikkel's first job is that, um, you know, I I'm sure there's still thing. You know, he's doing he's doing great. You know, don't get me wrong. This isn't a criticism, but you know, there's still things that he's figuring out. And we don't have a like a previous club track record to really base, um, you know, what he's done in the past on, right? But just from what I know about him and what I've seen, I mean, I think at this point we'll probably just kind of be filling out um, the squad a little bit more to play the same system. Um, I'd be surprised if we really launched into a full plan B second system type thing. Your thoughts? I disagree, and I tell you why I disagree. I disagree because of the type of players that we are clearly targeting. I don't think, for example, that Moises Caicedo is a direct replacement for either Partey or Xhaka. I just don't. Um, we, before Jesus, we tried to get Dusan Vlajevic, who right. is nothing like Jesus. Right. I think we have built this system around the players that we've got. And I think the next evolution for this team is to get more first team players. Because at the minute we, we've got, at the minute we've just got our first team, a couple of backups, and then nothing. And I think the aim is to have a squad of at least 15 first team players where you can play multiple systems. Because right now I don't believe that we can. And everyone, again, I'm hearing the same crap again about put Tierney on. I don't know why anyone wants to see someone running down the left and banging 10 crosses into the box in 20 minutes. It's not going to happen. That is not a system change. That is just desperation. And that is something that I don't think is going to happen. But you I don't, do think we will build. An, I do think that he's going to want at some point to be able, whether it's to go with a free at the back and move forward or whatever it is, I do think at some point he's going to want to put an alternate system in place that he can call on. You know, you bring up a good point too. Uh, I mean, unless the the pretty much the sole purpose of this purchase was uh, just the, his versatility up front, but I mean, you know, we we spent three quarters of the January window chasing uh, Mudrik, and then signed Trossard, and they're very different players too. You know, one's pretty much a, a, a speedy outside winger who's you know technically really sharp, and Trossard's a lot more of a, a you know an inside forward. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I can, I can see that. I guess it does seem like we have Plan A targets, right? And then if that doesn't work out, our Plan B targets usually are are pretty different from the Plan A targets. We've done that several times now. Yeah, I, part of that though could be just that the Plan B targets are the cheap, cheaper, easier to get targets. Um, and this goes back to our previous discussion on Edu and getting the big deals over the line in the first place. Um, you know, when party was out, my first reaction to you and Paz was whatever it takes in the summer, we have to pay it to get Declan Rice because party has to be replaced. Rice will not play that role the same way that party does. So right. again, that offers you something different. And that, that's just what I'm thinking. That's just why I think there's an, there's an, we've seen an evolution of this team from the time Arteta get in. So, I just think the next evolution is to build different systems because right now we haven't got different systems. We've got one. And if that one isn't working, all we do is we keep sticking with that one system because we've got no choice. Yeah. And um, we saw that really bad too against uh, both Brentford and Everton. Yeah, you know, we, when you can't break it down, it we don't yeah, really have we, a, 
no, there's no, there's no other, there's no system to go to. That's it. And I just, I just think right now we just haven't got the. He hasn't had a chance to build because he's so busy building an, an eleven that could get us competitive. He hasn't had a chance to build a second, a second team beyond that. And I, I think that's all it is. Um, but anyway, so the second half, you know, there's not. We were outplayed. There's no doubt about it. They were the better team. We had the one chance when it was at two one, where Xhaka had the ball on the edge of the box and he could have gone left to Martinelli. He could have gone. He could have gone inside and had a shot, and he he dilly dallied and he got caught. And then we had the one just before that actually where he Shaka uh, he, he, again was running with a ball and he tried to flick it with the outside of his foot to encounter mm-hmm. it went all the way out of play and it, it was yep. very frustrating. And and it, like I said, Shaka had a bad second half, but I've noticed some of the boo boys coming back out and screaming at him, and I think it's that's not fair given how exceptional he was in that first half um, and given how bad everybody was in that second half. I think it's unfair. I do believe that we do need to see an evolution of that position there. I don't think we have it in the squad. I think the idea of starting Fabio Vieira there is just silly. Um, I think the idea of Zinchenko moving there is just fanciful. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. Zinchenko's a left back and he's going to carry on playing left back. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's it. So I think that that about calls it on the game, doesn't it? You got something to add? Uh, just real quick, um, what do you think of the uh, the the light altercation between Arteta and uh, De Bruyne? Oh, when Arteta kicked the ball away? Yeah. Uh, I understand why De Bruyne was incredibly pissed, but Richard Keyes will be happy because he was inside his technical area. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, found it, I found it amusing, you know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I get why De Bruyne was pissed, but I also get, you know, managers do that all the time. Right, yeah. you get the ball, you don't throw it back to the player or whatever. It is yeah. what it is, but you know you're you're angry as a player when that happens. But it is what it is. So anyway, all right. Well, let's let's leave the game there. Um, there's there's so much to go into today. So we'll come back in the second half and we're going to go into what it means. We'll have a look forward to Villa at the weekend as well. So we'll be back after the break. Welcome back to the Non-Negotiables Podcast, Part Two. Um, we're going to go into a little bit of what this this last couple of weeks have have meant to the season because you can. So when we came back from the World Cup, we were excellent for the first few weeks, and we kind of managed to put aside the fact that Jesus wasn't out there. Eddie scored a few goals. We were still playing pretty well, um, and then Goodison happened, and. Everything that I feared after that Goodison game is exactly what's ended up happening. Um, I don't think we've coped with a setback very well. I thought there were games we could afford to drop points in in the second half of the season. I didn't think those two were two of them. Um, I don't think City... What, what did City have at the halfway point, Just Was it 45 points they were on or 42 45, I think. That sounds right. So I didn't think City would have a worse second half to the season than the first half, right? Right. I I thought, you know, if they got 45 points at at halfway, I actually think it was less than that because I I think that was their, I think they got to 45 on their 20th game, but I may be wrong. It might have been 42 or 44. Anyway, but I thought they were going to double that easy. Um, We had 50 points from 19 games and I didn't ever think we were getting to 100 points, right? So, I expected a swing in the second in the second half of the season. I did expect it to get closer. 
Um, what I wasn't expecting was it to be game, was it to be eroded in games 20, 21 and 22. Um, these block of three games just, I mean, they're, they're so damaging, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. Um, I'm, I, I, I still have, I still have hope, you know, I'm not, uh, I've, I've heard people say, you know, the, 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 the title's gone. Um, fact is we, you know, your, your point's a good one, what you just said, but you know, we were more consistent than city in the first half of the season. There's nothing to say we can't be in the second half of the season. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, the result yesterday had me, um, you know, just, just lamenting the, uh, Everton and Brentford results even more, um, you know, you can always uh, afford to drop points against City. I mean, best team in the league, but man, the the Everton and Brentford games killed us, didn't they? Yeah, they they really did. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm one of those people that I, I do think the title's gone now. Um, I know we still have that game in hand, but I always thought that if City got back at us, I didn't think we would get back again because like I said I do expect them to have a better half of the se- second half of the season and yeah. us not to have quite as good a second half of the season I was hoping we could basically hold out a while um, and these three games man they've just been a kick in the teeth we've had a lot of players seem to dip in form a little bit at the same time um, we haven't had that hero ball performance that we had a couple of times in the first half of the season when, you know, we were struggling a little bit. There was the Wolves game where Odegaard got a couple and there was another game, I can't remember who it was, where Saka got a couple when we weren't looking that great. Um, and we just haven't we just haven't had that over the last couple of weeks. And and I think this is I'm not gonna say the pressure's got to him, but I do think the intensity of the games has ratcheted up. Um, everything's got a bit tighter and we've just struggled to find a, a, a way through a lot of these teams. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, I do think it, you know, it, it comes back to what we talked, talked about in the first half um, of not really having a, a plan B's um, not even a, a, like a, a system change, but even plan B's in a lot of key positions. Um, you know, if, if Eddie is, is, is off or, or Sokka's off or, you know, we don't really have anybody that can come in and be, you know, 75% of what they are, you know, in Eddie's case, we have nobody. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, that that's hurting us quite a bit too. Um, you know, we're really missing like Smith Rowe and Jesus, I think, uh, in, in this period. Yeah. I think Eddie's overperformance in the first six or seven games after we come back, um, kind of made us all feel a little bit more comfortable than maybe we should about the mm-hmm. Jesus injury. Um, I, I think that it, it didn't come, it didn't bite us immediately, but it's definitely bitten us now. Um, we we missed him so much again yesterday. Um, that's the last few games we've we've missed that we've missed that link up with Martinelli. We've missed the dribbling in and around the box. We missed the quick feet, the quick thinking. Um, and and again, it's no slot on Eddie. You're comparing him to one of the best forwards in the world. Um, so it, it, it's not that Eddie's a, a bad player. He's just not Gabriel Jesus. Um, and you can mask that with other things. And for Eddie, he masks it with goals. And in the last few weeks, the goals have dried up. Yeah. And it's it's really, really noticeable all of a sudden that, that Jesus isn't there. Um, Jorginho was fine. Yesterday, I don't think Jorginho had a had a bad game at all. Um, 
he was tidy on the ball. He was better than I thought he was going to be. He got turned a couple of times and you could see that he couldn't get back. But I do think it changes the way that we can defend a little bit. Um, it changes the amount of chances that we take with and without the ball, without yep. Partey there. Um, and that's going to be interesting moving forward over these next few games. So as damaging as the last block of games have been, and they've been incredibly, incredibly damaging, um, we do, you have to look at this as an opportunity now because the next run of games is Villa away on Saturday. Honestly, I know we're not in great form, but there's no reason we can't go and win there. You got Leicester away the week after that, and they're you know they're coming into a bit of they're coming into a bit of form. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we're capable of going there and getting a result. Yep. And then you start this run where we've got to be looking for maximum points from this run, right? Everton at home, Bournemouth at home, Fulham away, Palace at home, Leeds at home. We've got to get. We've got to be picking up maximum points from them games. Them five games have got to be fifteen points. Um, if we can take a win and a draw from the next two, I mean, really, we need to pick up twenty-one from twenty-one. But if we can pick up nineteen from twenty-one, by the time we go to Anfield, we could actually be in okay shape. I mean, it, it, again, then it starts to get tough again because that's the way this fixture list works. It's the way it works for everybody. Um, but this run coming up, this really is going to tell us everything, right? Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we we've got to perform these next games, and you know, of them are at, are at home also. And after the next two, after Villa and in, uh, in Leicester, we've where we only go away to to uh, Fulham. Yep, Fulham for one one away. I think is, is it three at home and one, or four at home and one away. Four at home and one. Away. Yeah, four at home, one away. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be, I mean, I mean, I know you could, you can take pretty much any specific block in the, in the schedule and say it's going to be crucial, but I mean, this, this will be, you know, what either keeps us alive or doesn't. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think it's because, because of how bad the last three games have been results wise. Like we've picked up one point from the last three where I yeah. think, you know, we, we couldn't afford to do that basically, but we've done it now. Um, and I think what that means is there is literally no margin for error left. Yeah. So every game, the next game is obviously always the most important one, but I think we're at a point now where we almost can't lose again for the rest of the season. We, we've we've got to keep racking up points now if we if we are in it. I, I mean, I, you know, moaning Imran again yesterday says to me after the game that uh, that's it, title's gone. Um, now it's a battle for top four. I'm not quite there yet, right? Yeah. Right. I'm not. I'm not ready to say that we're in a we're in a top four battle, um, but it, we've got to be careful that this doesn't become a spiral. Yeah, uh, and and we've seen that you know under Arteta as well. Uh, you know, this season's been a, a big improvement, of course, but um, you know we we've seen stints of of great form, and then you know losing a match and then you know dropping points in the next several uh it's been a, a bit of a characteristic i think um of his of his tenure and uh we've kind of already done that although you know just three games we talked about the importance of uh bouncing back after uh, everton and after brentford i mean 
it's even more important now if we want to keep any any hopes of the title alive we have to do it against villa yeah and i think there's going to be uh there's going to be a real temptation to rush jesus back as as quickly as we can now um and and i think we will quite honestly i mean i wasn't expecting him to see him till april um i know a lot of the reports where he's back early he's training well he's training on his own he might be ready for the start of march and i i'm starting to think he probably will be um, because I think as soon as he's half fit, I think he's going to be going to be thrown back in, and uh, I just I just hope that that doesn't hurt him long term. Yeah, and you know, being in a title chase, you know, makes that all the more difficult because I'm usually one that you know always favors like long term thinking, but it's like you know you'll you'll make quite a few sacrifices if it means a title at the end of the season, you know, and and probably rightly so. Um, yeah, you have to. This is what the, yeah. this is what these guys play for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jesus is going to be desperate to get back as quick as he can. Um, by all accounts, this operation it wasn't a major operation. Any knee operation, no knee operation is minor, um, but it certainly wasn't a major one. So it is something that he was always going to come come back from and, and come back fine. I just I can just see us just see us throwing him in. I mean, the one thing I will say is that at least with the way Eddie has performed, picking on the positives from what Eddie's done. Um, it, I think Mikel may be a little bit, a little bit happier about starting Jesus, but not finishing Jesus. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. It's a 60 minutes and then dragging him off if need be. Whereas before that just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. My only concern there is, you know, hopefully Eddie's kind of turned a corner now, but um Eddie's always not performed near as well with just these, these uh, bit part roles. He, you know, his best moments is when he's got a string of games. So that's a, that's a little concerning to me, but that might just be, you know, some pessimism talking, but yeah, I agree. I think um, Eddie's, Eddie's earned a little credit in the bank to, um, you know, be trusted more to, to come on and and close out a game or, you know. Yeah. And, and, uh, apparently Smith Rowe was close yesterday um, with Smith Rowe. God knows what that actually means, but that's, that's what they're saying is he was close. And I do, I do wonder if he is, if he is back, I mean, obviously he won't be starting at the weekend or anything like that, but I do wonder if he is back once we start getting into them runner games that we talked about, if we just might see Smith Rowe given a chance in that, that left eight position um, just to try and mix up that, that left-hand side a little bit, give us something different there. Give us someone more comfortable driving with the ball um, rather than someone who kind of just moves the ball on. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we've seen it a few times and it, and it hasn't been, um, you know, extremely successful. I think, was it uh, uh, the Villarreal tie? Uh, well, that was the false nine game, right? Villarreal, he played up front. Oh, was it okay? I think there that was, was the one... one where he played up front, but there was one where he played where he played left eight, and it didn't it didn't go too well. Um, but it's you know it's one of the things where you've kind of got to commit to it. You can't mm-hmm. just play it once and then say, "Well, that didn't work." You, yeah. You've got to give it a run of games and and see how it goes. And I I just I'm just starting to think that maybe that is the change that could really spark a little bit and I think it, it depends if we're looking for a spark I mean if we go out there and beat Villa at the weekend and then we win at Leicester then all that talk is is forgotten because we're going to just carry on rolling out the same the same 11 like we usually do but I do I do wonder if that is going to be something with an eye on with an eye on next year as much as this year although you know you can't give up on this year but with an eye on long-term planning if that is something that 
that might be tried. And I, I, I'm definitely game to game to see it. Um, I love Smith Rowe, and I, I hope that he can get over these injury problems. Um, and if he's that's where the future of his team is, if that's the way that him and Martinelli can get in the same team, um, then I'm I'm willing to see it. It's, it's an exciting thought, isn't it? Getting all them players on together. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and listen, I uh, I've been really impressed with with Xhaka this year, of course. And I mean, he he's been really good and, and totally flipped my opinion uh, on him. But I think there are times where you can see a you, you know a little bit of of limitation um, more on the attacking side of it, though. You know, is like that you is that a game state thing though? Because like we were saying, this that left hand side didn't function well in the second half anyway, but. The games when Jacker's limitations as they are show up tend to be when we're chasing. He doesn't have bad games when we win, right? Whenever we win, Jacker's had a good game. That's just how it is. Jacker's bad games tend to be when we're chasing, and it doesn't really suit his skill set to be chasing. And we're asking him to do different things to what he what he normally does. Well, so is it a game state thing? Is there a and in the last couple of games you've seen you've seen Vieira come on for him right and it hasn't worked and I, i'm telling you right now fabio vieira is not ready for the premier league no he's I, not he's just I, not you cannot start fabio vieira and even bringing him on the only reason to bring him on is to try and get him used to it and to try and acclimatize he's not going to come on and change games he just hasn't got it in him um i'm not saying he's going to be a flop full time though i do have my doubts um, but as it stands right now, you cannot bring Fabio Vieira on for Xhaka and expect to change the game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like Vieira. Um, I, I don't think he's he's ready yet, though, either. Um, but I think Smith Rowe could be could could have a, a big impact there, uh, you know, in that left eight position when we you know, when we need a goal for chasing a game or something like that. It, it, it makes us a lot more dynamic. You have two players that can, that can pick a pass that can, you know, dribble through opposition that are, you know, I mean, he's obviously quicker than Jaka, uh, you know, an Odegaard and Smith Rowe that I think, um, you know, will will open up the pitch a lot more, you know, if we need a goal and you're right. Um, it, it, it is kind of game state, but you know, that's kind of what I'm talking about with, with limitations with regards to Jaka, you know, he, he's capable of picking a pass, but uh, in, in in doing it quite well, but it's it's not something you know he's necessarily um, you know n- known for. You you want kind of more of a, a a playmaker there, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think a lot of it as well. It's not just the pass; it's the decision making, right? Like yeah. that was the problem. The chance at two one yesterday when when he was driving forward and he had Martinelli left, like I said, and he could have come inside and shot. And I actually thought the the move was to shoot, not to play left to Martinelli. But in his mind, he just didn't make his mind up. And yep. that's the difference between a 30-year-old player who isn't used to playing that role and someone like Smith Rose, an attacking player. But I wouldn't have wanted to see during that first half Smith Rose there instead of Shaka. Do you know what I mean? Like that game last night, that first half, part of the reason we were so good in the first half was that Shaka gave us a brilliant balance with Odegaard and Jorginho that yeah. you wouldn't get out of Smith Rowe or, or Jorginho. But when you're chasing the game, that is the time to make that change, which is, which is to be fair, what Arteta tried to do. But like I said, I just don't, Fabio Vieira, just, he's just not that guy right now. You just, you just aren't going to get it out of him. Yeah, uh, and I, I agree. Yeah, I don't think we'll see uh, Smith, Mo, excuse me, Smith Rowe and, and Odegaard starting mini games in midfield together. But I think it's um an absolutely brilliant option to pull off the bench when we when we need it. 
Yeah, and the other because the other thing Smith Rowe gives you is he scores goals. Yep. You know, and 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 that's something that you know that's obviously the hottest commodity in football is scoring goals. It's it's something that over the last few weeks we've we've had some trouble doing. Um, and he gives you he gives you as big a goal threat as anyone else in the squad, basically. Um, and we've we have missed that coming off the bench for sure. It, it, we we really have. Beyond that, I don't really see any other way that not that it can shake up because I think any one of us might try something different, you know, a Martinelli through the middle or a Zinchenko midfield, but but, but Arteta's not going to do that. Um, so of the things that are in the realms of possibility, I do think that Smith Rowe to the left eight is probably the only kind of shake-up move that you can see, right? I mean, obviously Jesus coming back, he's going to be an, an, an earthquake of a, of a change. I mean, he's going to yeah. absolutely disrupt everything. It is... It's going to be the the ultimate like a new signing when he comes back. Um, yeah, it really is. Yeah, but I don't see any other internal changes other than that Smith Rowe one to give a spark. Do you do you see anything else there? You know, the only other thing that I could kind of think of, and and, and listen, I'm I'm not necessarily a, a fan of this, um, not pushing for it, but I wonder if we might ever see uh, Jorginho, Party, and Odegaard together. Because I think I think Party's shown that he can be pretty pretty solid in a in a more offensive role. Filling in in that left eight with Jorginho behind might be interesting as well. Uh, but I, you know I don't know. And we're so shallow in that position; it may not be a great idea to have them both on the pitch at the same time. But I think that's something that that's a possibility. Yeah, I I don't know. Arteta's spoken a lot about. There's a very famous quote when he was with Man City. Um, actually, I believe when they went for Jorginho the first time, they didn't get him, and then they got Rodri instead, uh, which turned out to be another one of them great second moves that proved better than the first move. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he, he was quoted as saying then in the press that you know there are a lot of these teams playing with these two defensive midfielders when in his his opinion that the, you know, the optimal way to play is with one. Um, and that's why he values Partey so highly. And that's why he valued Jorginho so highly too, because he believes in Jorginho as that single pivot eight, uh, six. And I, I think that that's something, I don't think that's something we're going to see change, even with, even if we are looking for different systems, like we were saying in the first half and different ways of playing, I don't think that single pivot is ever going to change. I think it will be, I think it's Jorginho or Partey. I don't see Partey playing further forward. And quite honestly, when he was playing further forward, when he first came to us, he sucked. Yeah. I mean, he was really bad. When, yeah. you know, when I, I used to say to everybody, you know, we've gone and bought Deschamps and trying to play him like Zidane. I, I didn't <laughs> understand it. It is not his skill set. Um, and I, and I, I thought he was, when he first signed, I thought he was terrible. He was yeah. awful when he first signed for us. Um, and since he's gone into this single pivot and done that, he's he's been fantastic. He's been absolutely brilliant. Um, but it's yeah, I just I think the single pivot is what we'll always see under Arteta, um, with everything else swinging around it. Um, but yeah, so I don't, you know, I don't I don't see where a spark's coming from other than that. I think the group of players that are out there are going to be the the group of players that are going to have to pull their heads together and and turn this around. So. That being said, we'll move on to a little preview of uh, Unai Emery's Aston Villa. How excited are you to see Unai Emery? <laughs> um, you know, just really excited for those uh, those three points, really. Um, 
uh, I don't I don't have uh, too fond of memories of uh, Emery's uh, tenure here. Uh, nothing against the guy personally, just you know the, some of the football was just dire, and I'll never uh, never forget that Watford game. Um, <laughs> None of us will ever forget Watford. <laughs> Always have Watford, Unai. Um, yeah, and you know Martinez coming back, so you know there's a blinder to be to be had there, or us going there rather. But you know there's a blinder to be had from Martinez in this game. Yep. Um, really, uh, really looking forward to to him saving thirty five shots. But yeah, in all seriousness, though, I mean it, it's a game we've it's a game we've got to win. Um, a, a draw is definitely not good enough. It would send us top for a couple of hours, but it would only be a couple of hours because Man City have got Forest. Um, it's a must win, and it's one that we can win, and we've got to be brave doing it. What do you see in terms of the starting lineup? I, I, I personally, I, I think um, I'd like to see Trossard get a start. I think um, you know whether whether Martinelli's in poor form or he's just suffering from the absence of Jesus. You know, I, I mean, it it doesn't really. Uh, matter to me i think he he could do with with the with the sit down for a game or two and and i, I think trossard's been really good in the the spells he's come on as a as a substitute i i think um it's a change i I'd, I'd, I'd like to see if if nothing else just to kind of you know mix it up a little bit um other than that you know looking at tomiyasu and ben white um you know, I could really go either way on that and, and not be disappointed. Like I, we, we've said, you know, a hundred times now, they're probably our most like for like change. Um, yeah. I mean, there's only so many ways we can dress up the fact that there's only two possible changes in this team. Right? <laughs> yeah. like, like we can talk about it every week and every week we're going to say the same thing. It's either, you know, the change could be white for Tommy Asu or Tommy Asu for white. And it could be Trossard coming in for Martinelli. They're the only two. Like, there's there's literally nothing else. Jorginho's going to play because Partey's out again. Um, we know that for sure. I've we do, that. yeah. Yeah, they said that it's going to be, it's going to be at least through this weekend. He might be back for, he might be back for Leicester. Um, okay. and he's not, he's not going to play on Sunday, uh, Saturday, sorry. And, I, you know, it's one of them games. We should get through that with Jorginho. That shouldn't yeah. be, that, that shouldn't inhibit us too much. Um we so, know Smith Rowe. Smith Rowe's not starting coming back so soon. So no, no, absolutely not. I'm hoping he's going to be on the bench. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so really, like I said, it's the same discussion we have every week. Is it going to be Tommy Asu? Is it going to be White? Is it going to be Trossard? Is it going to be Mike Nelly? They are the only two things. I mean, I would imagine that he's going to stick with Tommy Asu because of the mistake, because that's kind of what Arteta does. Yeah. Um I wouldn't be surprised to see the Martinelli for Trossard because I think that one's been on the cards for a couple of weeks. Um, again, I personally don't think it's going to make one iota of difference. Um, I, I, I just don't see that as being, I don't know. I just don't see that change. Even the goal he got the other day, Martinelli probably would have been in the same position to score the same goal against Brentford. I just, I don't see it being a huge change. I, I just think in general, we've got, to, we've got to pick this up. Um, I do prefer it when the wide players, and I don't care if it's Martinelli or Trossard um, and Saka, I do prefer it when they come inside. I don't, I don't mind seeing them start really wide, um, but as the move, as we progress up the pitch, I think they have to come inside because otherwise the spaces are too big, the gaps are too big. Um, Zinchenko overlapped a lot more yesterday than mm-hmm. he than he has before, rather than coming inside all the time. Um, and I, I think that was a conscientious thing. I think that was a start. Uh, I think that was the start of the 
the next evolution with with him going both ways rather than just just one way. Um, how do you think we're going to set up? How do you think we'll not how are we going to set up because we know that, but do you think it's going to be the the wingers coming inside again, trying to get off of that off of that touchline? I do, yeah. Um, you know, Saka does that most games already. You know, only a few he he stays more more out wide. But I think, um, regardless of if it's Martinelli or Trossard, I think we'll play uh we'll play more inside. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested. What see what we've really been what's been lacking a lot is the fizz that was there before, right? That mm-hmm. bit of speed. Um, I feel like we're moving the ball a lot slower than we were. Funnily enough, I don't think we're hitting the ball as long as we were early in the season. And you know I'm not a proponent of the big long ball. But the way we were doing it was actually long passes, not a long ball. Yeah. Um and it was getting us out quick. And a lot of them are low. It's not like we're lumping it up in the air to a big man. Most of the, the long passes are the Odegaard through ball um or the Gabriel switch to Saka really quickly. And I think that's been that's been lacking. And I wouldn't be surprised. There's obviously not going to be a lot of training going on between now and, and Saturday morning. But I wouldn't be surprised in the film rooms if there's not some film coming out of the Spurs game and a, and, a, and a couple of games before that where those switches of play have happened quicker mm-hmm. compared to the last couple of games where those switches of play have either been too slow or not happened at all. I think um, one thing I've I've noticed um as far as you know the the like long switches is um uh Ben White and Zinchenko have been uh well Zinchenko's been uh, amazing you know don't get me wrong but I have noticed his long passing was has been a little bit more lacking than it was earlier in the season um he's had a couple errant ones and you know we we've already discussed Ben White being a little off and I think I think that kind of hurts it cuz you know they 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 do that quite a bit you know um find the uh the the opposite side wingers and whatnot um yeah so Zinchenko hopefully... seems to have been holding on to the ball longer have you, mm-hmm. have you noticed that rather than releasing it he seems to have been taking more touching I don't know if that's just him getting more comfortable with his role in the team and, and taking on more of that alpha role of uh of carrying the ball more but I actually think it's been a little bit detrimental um where he was releasing the ball quickly and moving and now he seems to be carrying the ball more and I think it slowed us down a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree. There, there's definitely been something different to what he's been doing that uh, has been detrimental. Um, and it's kind of hard to, to to pinpoint it exactly. But I, I have noticed him holding onto the ball a little bit more. And then when he does release, he tends to release under more pressure as well because of it. Yeah, I mean, he's you know we've seen a few of the nice crossfield passes from him, and I think his his range and his technical ability is is so good. It's, I mean, it's why he's not coming out of the team at left back; he's staying at left back. Um, uh, the, technically, he's so good, and the way he brings the ball down. I mean, in that first half, some of the balls that were dropping out the sky, and he was bringing them down with two players on him, and just bringing them moving away, and it's it's sensational to watch. It, it really is, and I just I just think we just need to be releasing the ball a little bit quicker. Um, and I think some of the runs haven't been there as well. Some of the off the ball stuff has been a little bit, a little bit lacking. I saw a couple of times Odegaard was looking to release a pass last night and the run just wasn't made in the right way, whether it was Tommy Asusaka and Ketia, whoever it was he was looking for, it just wasn't quite, quite coming off the way it was earlier in the season, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that actually is one of the things that frustrates me the most. And I'm not saying we're guilty of it a ton, but um, seeing, seeing you know, a, a player in a, a, you know, a good position to, to thread a through ball and, and the runs just not being made. Again, going back to Emery, that was something I remember happening all the time. It, our players were so static. Um, so that's well, that was, that, I mean, that was, that was Lacazette and Aubameyang and, and Pepe, right? So yeah, that's was, fair. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, there, there's yeah. not a whole ton of movement going on there. Um, last night, did you? And again, we 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 saw we were. I thought we were really poor from set pieces again last night in both boxes. Um, but did you notice how long it was taking us to get the ball back in play from a throw? Not intentionally, um, but no one was moving. We we literally had the man standing out holding the ball and no one was moving to the point where on the right-hand side, Saka was taking the throw-ins instead of Tommy Asu. Tommy Asu was literally waiting for Saka to take the throw on. And I've I, I've never seen us that, and I don't know if it's just our Man, uh, our man City were, were set up to stop us from getting the ball back in play, but it seems to be the, the, the throw-in taker was just standing there holding the ball, just like, Jesus Christ, will somebody move? Well, you know what that is. We we've grown so accustomed to the uh, Thomas Partey long throw that now he was out. <laughs> the Partey long throw or the uh, multitude of players foul throws, just taking and giving <laughs> the other way. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't I don't know what it was last night. I mean, Tommy Asu got put in the American commentators were were, were making me laugh. Drury and, and Lee Dixon and Grammar so that Tommy Asu, oh, he's been booked for taking too long. He was booked because he tried to steal about twenty yards. That's why he was booked. It wasn't because yeah. he took too long. It was because the throw-on was down and by the corner flag. And by the time he threw it, he was almost on the halfway line. <laughs> so that's that's why he got booked. But um, but yeah, I don't know. It was just something that I that I noticed yesterday that the the movement just it just wasn't there when we were taking the throw-ons. And I've, I I don't know. I've not noticed it before. It, it looked really tough for us to get the ball the ball back into play. But but those things have to be better against Villa. Um, we, you know, we've just got to be, we've got to be better. We've got to be quicker in everything we do. Um, and I really hope that they've got some ideas on these set pieces because we do not look a threat at all. And at the minute, and this is down to us being a little bit shaky at the back right now, because I think there's been some confidence dented mm -hmm. every ball into our box right now. It's, um, I mean, back in the day, I'm going to take you, take you back, Jesus, 30 years now. Um, way before football was on TV all the time. Back in England, we used to get one game a week on TV, maybe. And uh, the way we all used to, uh, the way we used to take games in away, um, when I was a season ticket holder, so the away games was uh, listening on the wireless radio. And right. uh, one of the, and I, I still love listening to football on the radio. But one of the one of the things about listening to football on the radio, every ball is flying towards your goal and every cross is dangerous. Do you know what I mean? You can't see it. So you're, you're listening to Jonathan Pierce describe what's describe what's going on. And uh, oh. yeah. And, and, but at the minute it feels like that to me, it feels like I'm listening on the radio because every ball that goes in at the minute is just causing absolute, absolute havoc. And that's, that's got to stop. And Villa are, Villa are a big side again, right? Yeah. You know, that that's, that's, that's weird how much worse we are on set pieces, you know, because I think it was, you know, we were really solid. I, I thought uh, Yover was doing, you know, some really good work and it's like, like a, like a switch went off or something, you know, and all of a sudden we're, we're not dangerous attacking them and we're, you know, not good at all defending them. And I don't really know what's happened if it's a lack of confidence or, or again, you know, maybe teams just figuring us out a little bit more, but 
uh, that's something we we we've got to get sorted like immediately. Yeah, it's it's probably a little from column A, a little from column B, and a little from column C, right? Like we we you know some players, there's some nerviness creeping in because we're not playing well. There's a little bit of a lack of confidence there. Um, I think there's a lot. There's obviously a lot more footage on us now than there was at the start of the season, and I think teams have got a little bit more idea about about what we're going to do and how we set up. Um, and also the takers have not been taking good corners. I mean, yeah, I said you from from last week, we saw Odegaard taking corners. And and quite honestly, some of the best corners we've had over the last few weeks, and I know everyone groans and everyone complains, but some of the better corners we've had are the short corners um, yeah. that we've we've taken and, and, and kind of moved into the box and changed the angle for. Um, so I don't know. I don't mind a couple of them to try and, try and mix it up and, and drag people out because what we've been doing has definitely definitely not been working yeah agreed now i've not seen uh villa i think i've only seen one game since emery took over uh are they what what what's what have they been like are they uh having some of the same issues we had under emery or not so far so they've actually been on a decent run of form since he took over but we also started on a decent run of form um when he uh when he took over you know i think he since he took over, they got beat in the cup at Stevenage. I think he was in charge then, right? But, I mean, they won at Tottenham. They beat Leeds. They um, beat Southampton away. And then the last couple, of last couple, they got thumped at home by Leicester, um, who were kind of a bit resurgent themselves. And then they got smashed by Man City at the weekend that we all expected. So I think they're... Um, you know they're they're going to revert to the me. We we know what Emery is. We know what Emery's teams are like. I fully expect um, on on Saturday them to you know to be dug in in a deep block and yeah. us to have an awful lot of shots peppering their goal and you know and that, that's kind of Emery's teams are what what Emery's teams are. They're going to win some games. They're going to lose some games and they're going to bore a hell of a lot of people doing it. Yeah, yeah. What did he say? Uh, wanted us to be a uh, a chameleon, I think, was his. Uh, yeah, uh, which you know, for a club like us, they, you know, you you really you really can't do that. So yeah. you know, you've got to be taking the game to to most teams, um, and let's let's hope we do that on Saturday. I mean, we, you know, it's a it's a it's a huge game for us now. Um, it, it is a must win because we we've got to arrest this slide before it becomes something a, something a lot worse than a than a blip. Um, I think we'll do it, honestly. Um, it's an early kickoff again for us, which I don't like. I, I don't mind it for myself because I'm I'm up early anyway. Um, so for me, it's yep. fine. But for the team, I don't like early kickoffs. We don't seem to have a very good record in the early kickoffs. No, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, let's hope we let's hope we put this right at the weekend. Yeah, we need it. We do. We really do. Okay, mate. Well, we'll um, we'll leave it there. So thanks for thanks for joining me tonight, and uh, thank you everybody for listening. Um, feel free to uh, search us out on uh, Twitter and Instagram and give us a follow and a, and a like, um, and uh, we'll be back and we'll see you, uh, see you, ne- see you next week. See you later, Jazz. Bye-bye.